Today we're starting a new series, and um, we're going to be laying a foundation today. This is something that it was going to take more than a week or two weeks or maybe three or four weeks, and I want to lay a good foundation today for a series that I believe God is putting in my heart to give to the church. And the world says that one should dress for success. And there's something about that, the way that we dress, that makes a difference in the things we do. Now, let me just say this. I don't want to go to extreme over here, and I don't want to go to extreme over there. I'm just just saying that there is something about that. How many of you know, if you were going to go to the bank today to make a loan for your house, that you wouldn't go with jeans that had big holes in them and tennis shoes and and your hair all, you know, unkempt and, you know, and you hadn't took a bath in two days? Come on, somebody. I think a guy looks at you and say, hmm, my money's not safe with you. <laughs> but, you know, we, we put our best foot forward. So, but, and we're going to do a talk about spiritually dressed today. That's the reason I'm saying that, okay? So we're not talking about physical dress. I, I, that's, you know, it's kind of like bodily exercise. You know, scripture says profited little. It does. There's something about exercise we need. And it does profit, but it says little. But you know what? When we exercise spiritually in the things of God, it, it means a lot. Can you say amen? That's what the Bible is actually saying when it says that, okay? So let me just ask a question. How many of you, it takes you about 10 minutes to get ready of a morning before you go out the door? Let me see your hands. Oh, about a half a dozen of you. What about 20 minutes? About 20 minutes takes you about 20 minutes. Oh, okay, about a half a dozen more. All right, about 30 minutes. Takes you about 30 minutes, okay? All right. An hour. <laughs> It takes some of you a long time to get. I knew that I was going to get that this morning. Okay. So we're going to put this in a spiritual application. So I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22, 23, and 24. If you have your Bibles, and, and you know what? You need to start carrying a Bible. I know some of you have your phones, and I do too. I have my Bible on the phone, and sometimes if I don't take my Bible with me, I have it. Yeah, if you have your Bibles, hold them up. Would you just hold them up? Let's make the, oh, yeah, yeah, it makes the devil mad when you have your Bible because that's just sword of the spirit. That's when you begin to swing the sword. So turn or look in your notes, Ephesians 4, 22. And I want you to notice what the word of God says, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on. Notice that put on. The new man which has, was created according to God in righteousness and holiness. Bow your heads. Father, teach us, Lord, how to dress. Teach us, Lord, how to put on things and to take off things spiritually, the right things in our life that we may be productive and that we may be blessed and, and, and God, that we may be successful. We ask this in Jesus' name and everybody, everybody said? Amen. Now, again, I want you to notice that Paul's talking about putting some things on taking some things off, and that's what we have to do. So let us put on the armor of light, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh, Romans 13, 12. And in, in Ephesians six eleven, it says, put on the armor that God gives you so that you will be able to stand up against the devil's evil tricks. So there's certain things that God says, I want you to put on. Everybody say, put on. And so it's going to take you some time to do that. You know, it's just not something to flash. And just like you put on your natural attire, you need to put on your spiritual attire if you're going to face the things of the world, okay? And Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I become a man, 
I put away childish things. So, you know, Paul is saying, you know, we have a responsibility as Christians that are in our conduct, things we say, things we do. So how do we defeat these weapons? First of all, you never defeat a weapon or an enemy unless you know who they are. Somebody say amen. So number one, in your notes, in your Bible there, in your notes, the Bible teaches you that you have three enemies. Write that down. Three enemies that are trying to mess up your life. There it is on the screen. You have three enemies that are trying to mess up your life. What are these enemies? What do they want to do? Now, first of all, they want to defeat you, okay? They want to defeat your family. They want to defeat you in your life. They want to steal from your soul. They, want to just, they don't want you to be successful. They don't want you to, you know, these enemies. They, they want to keep you from the joy and the purpose that God has put in your heart. How many of you believe that God wants us to have joy in our hearts this morning and happiness and, and fulfillment and all of those things? That's what God wants, but these enemies don't. Now, these three enemies come against you. It's like a triple team. It's like a tag team, the wrestling, the double team to try to take you down. And I asked the question this morning, what are they, okay? The Bible calls these three enemies that you have the world, the flesh, and the devil. Write them down. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world comes around you. Satan comes against you. And the flesh, the battle is within you. It is within you. So we're beginning with your biggest enemy. So I asked the question this morning, church, what is your biggest enemy? What is the biggest enemy that you have? It's not the world. It's not Satan. It's you. Everybody say you. It's self that we're talking about. Jesus said, if any man come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, help me out, and follow me. In other words, your ways are not my ways anymore. Repentance means this. You were going this way, and God says, pick up the cross and begin to follow me and go with me. And to do that, you have to deny self. See, you're the biggest problem that, 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 that you have. You know, we have confronted the enemy, and it's us. We've confronted the enemy, and it's you and I. Many people try to run from their problems. They go to Cancun. They go on vacation. They go on a trip to, uh, to Disneyland or World, or, or they go to uh, wherever. But let me tell you something. If you have problems, you take them with you. They go with you. Whatever the problem is, they go, oh, you know, if I just, you know, you know, go to the beach, my problems. Are, no, no, no. The problems are inside you. And as we study the Bible, you know, the battle rather, it is inside of you. And we find that you really have two natures if you are a believer. You have the old nature, and the old nature, it wants to have fun. The old nature wants what is convenient. You know, it wants the convenient things, okay? Not necessarily the right things, not necessarily the best things, and, and what, what is necessarily good. But, and that's what, where the battle comes into place. A lot of things you want to do actually are self-destructive to you. Can I get a witness this morning? A lot of things that you want to do are self-destructive. And we have to understand that. You know for certain there's things that are good. There's things that are healthy for you. But you don't do them, okay? You know that these are the things that are, are bad for you. There are certain things, you know that. And they're unhealthy for you that mess up your life. But you still do them anyway. And here's what Paul said. Paul said the same thing. And let me tell you something. When I'm preaching to you this morning, I've got, I've got one finger this way and three coming back at me because we're all in the same boat. Can you say amen? 
We all face the same enemy in itself. And we have to put self in right perspective. We have to deny self. We have to come to Jesus. We have to lay our thoughts and our things aside if we want to be successful in life. And here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. Here's what Paul said. Paul says, I can't figure myself out. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I mean, you know, Paul said it, and probably sometimes you and I are thinking the same thing. I can't figure myself out either, okay? Now listen to what he says in your notes. I think I have it in your notes, or Romans 7, 15. He says, I do not understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I do not do it. I want to do the right thing, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. When I do the thing that I do not want to do, think about that. And that is the story of your life, and that's the story of my life. You know far more than you're actually doing, if you believe that, say amen. And we, we know far more. I mean, we have the knowledge, and, and we know what the Bible says. We know what the Word says. We have the teaching, but many times we're not walking it out in our lives. If you were actually able to practice all the things that you know to do, you'd be a lot more successful in your life. Can you say amen? But it's not just knowing it. It's getting yourself to do it. And this is where, this is where the, the rub comes in. This is where the problem is. This is where we, we come to that place in our own lives that we're not doing the things that, that the Bible teaches us. Now, that's this battle because we have this natural resistance inside of us that wants to do what's easy. It wants to do what's convenient. It wants to do what's quick rather than what's right and what's best. Can I get a witness? In fact, our entire, entire nation is in a financial crisis because of this tendency of human nature to have the, the, the ability to defy gratification. We want it, and we want it right now. Somebody say amen. We want it, and we want it right now. Now, we can't afford it, so we go out and we charge it, and we know that we can't afford it, but we do it anyway. The government has been doing this for years, okay? And we know that we had this financial crisis, and, and because of this ability of buying things, that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't know. Come on, somebody. And we're just going around this little circle and circle and circle and circle. And folks, let me tell you something. You know what? Sometimes there's certain things that you may need but you may or you won't, but you might not necessarily need them. They don't have to be the, the, the big name brand whatever. Sometimes you just need to get a pair of shoes. Come on, somebody. Well, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. You know, you can have it all. Now, that's a myth, a myth that advertisers tell you. You can have it all. You deserve a break today. You know, you deserve this, you deserve that. Well, if you have the money to buy it, that's fine. But if you don't, you need to just wait a little bit. Now, don't shout me down now. What's best for me? What's right for me? What does, but what does God want for you? That is the question. So our best intentions are not good enough. The truth is the battle is you. The battle is within you. And this is a thing that we're going to be talking. I'm laying a foundation this morning. I'm going to lay a good foundation over the next two or three weeks. We're going to be talking about some things I believe are going to be very healthy for you. But you know what? Here's the thing. You're going to have to make some choices in your life. There are certain things that you have to choose to do. You know, uh, people that, you know, that, that, that have money many times are those that know how to save money. Three people said amen. The truth is the battle is within you. I would say it this way. Most of your unhappiness in life is because you listen to you instead of listening to God. 
Well, I got about six that time. It's going up a little bit. Mm-mm. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's accurate. I said before, opinions are like noses. We all have one. But you know what? The Bible says we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. But how many of you know we're, we're quick to speak and slow to hear? We, we reverse that order. And God says, you know, James says, you know, you need, you need to think about what you're saying, think about what you're doing. How many of you would say that you said something and, and you stepped into a trap or you opened your mouth and it just like, I shouldn't have said that. Thank you, Bob. Amen or oh me. I mean, it's all of us. I mean, that's just the way life is. Sometimes we say something, do something, you know. And we need to understand the battle is within us. A lot of things that you think are right, they're not correct. A lot of things that I think are not right, they aren't correct. Uh, a lot of things are actually they're lying to myself. We rationalize things, you know, and we try to compare ourselves with somebody else. And folks, that, Paul said that's unwise to do that. Why? Because that person may not be where they need to be with God either. So it means you're both, you know, you know, you're both falling in the ditch. You're both going the wrong direction. So you need to think about that. So we need to know these enemies that we're fighting if we're going to defeat them. So number one, we said the three enemies, but self is the one that's messing up your life. Can you say amen? All right, let's go to number two. Number two, there's seven weapons of mass destruction of the flesh that are actually weapons of self-destruction. And we're going to talk about them. The good news is there is an antidote in God's Word. And we're going to show you some scripture this morning. We're going to lightly give you some things, you know, uh, you, you know we can't give it all to you because we're going to go down, the, uh, you know, go down this path and we're going to go through this journey over the next few weeks. And we're going to teach you some things. I believe it's going to make you very healthy in the things of God. There are things that you do to yourself all the time that damage you that hurt you, that cause you self-destruction. And you need to understand that. They cause you enormous stress. They cause you enormous pain. They cause you enormous unhappiness. They, uh, you know, there's unneeded pressure that you're putting on yourself in life. You know what? If we, could just, if we could just be the person that God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do, how many of you would say we'd be okay? If God tells you to do something, it's going to be all right, you know, okay? Today, you get a free counseling session. It's not going to cost you a dime. A free counseling session, okay? You say, Pastor, have you, have you taken counseling courses? I have, you know, and uh, I, don't, I don't claim to be, uh, you know, a license, and I don't do this. But, but I tell you what, I, today is going to be some preaching that's some counseling. If you hear this and heed to this, you're going to be a, a, a blessed person. The first weapon of self-destruction is shame. Write that down. I think we have it up there, shame. Everybody say shame. shame. Now, these, if you go to any professional counselor or whatever, they will tell you these same things that I'm telling you today, okay? There's seven of them, okay? We're going to talk about them. We're going to get, tell you what they are. We're going to give you some counter scripture to that, you know, what the Bible says, you know, and what shame. And I, I just love the song that the praise and worship team let out this morning. Uh, Calvary took care of it all. Can you say amen? We can really just say that and go home right now because Calvary took care of it all. How many of you know Calvary took care of your shame? Can you say amen? My shame was taken care of at, at Calvary. Yeah, yeah, I should have, I, I, I sinned. I should have died. All of those things. But Calvary took care of that for me. And, and it's that shame in my life. So I want you to look at it. You cannot be happy and feel ashamed at the same time. Well, I, I guess I'm preaching good because it's quiet. 
When you feel ashamed, you feel guilty. When you feel, uh, reg- you feel regret, you, it robs you of your happiness. So let me just say this. Let me say this. God doesn't want you to walk around feeling guilty. Somebody say amen. You should say amen to that. God doesn't want you to walk around feeling ashamed. God doesn't walk you to, want you to walk around feeling with regrets in your life. He doesn't want that at all. In fact, that's why Jesus went to the cross to die for your sins, to take away the shame in your life, to take away that guilt. Some people just feel guilty all the time. And we need to know that Calvary took care of that. But shame is the first and the number one destroyer of happiness in one's life. And again, I'm just going to give you, some, you, know, give you a little bit today. We're going to build on this because we're going to go back and see how all of this interferes in our lives. But what does God's word say? You know, here's what God's word says. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord most of the time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now, that gets the message across. And again, I say, rejoice. In other words, that's what we need to do. How can we rejoice? We rejoice in Jesus. It's because what Jesus did. You know, what we have, what you have, what I have, what we all have, is because what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Can you say amen? It's because of Calvary that we have these things. So we can rejoice because Jesus took my shame. He took my guilt. He took all of those things away from me. You don't have to be ashamed anymore. Come on, somebody. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Number two, the second weapon of self-destruction is uncontrolled thoughts. If you don't learn how to control your thoughts, your thoughts will ruin your life, and they will control you. And, you know, some people's thoughts just run rapid. You know, they run, you know, and, and, and you ever been talking to someone, you can just realize, wow, boy, they're off a little bit here. I mean, that's like, wow, you know, where are you going with that? And, and it seems like their mind, their, their thoughts are coming to their mind, you know. And, and, and what does the Bible say? Because you say stuff to yourself that causes unhappiness, that causes grief, that causes pressure. And you must learn how to control your thoughts. And you need to say to you what God is saying to you. You need to say about you what God says about you. You need to say what the Word tells you to say. And when you begin to say things out your mouth, let me tell you something. Not only can you hurt other people, but you can hurt yourself. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you're not happy with yourself, you're not going to be happy with other people. If you have a problem with yourself, you're going to have a problem with other people. So the self I'm talking about is the self that Jesus has laid his hand upon and that he's blessed your life. Come on, somebody. And you're, and you're, who, you're that new creature that we talked about, you know, who you are in Christ. You found out who you are, and you're that person. Now, that self, that kind of person is who you need to be. Somebody say amen. So I've said it before, and I want to say it again. And I left the scripture. I laid it out for you. I want you to see it. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, help me out. Think on these things. Everybody say it again. Think on these things. You think about those things, you know. Now, how many of you, let me, let me make sure I'm in the right church. I, I, I know there's churches all around us. Let me make sure I'm in the right church. How many of you have had, a, had at least one bad thought in your life? Let me see your hands. Okay, you're being honest. Now, the bad thoughts, you know, one fellow said, you can't help it if a, if a bird flies over your head. But you don't have to let it make a nest there. So what are you saying? I'm saying you might have a bad thought. You know, you say, Pastor, you've never had a bad thought. Are you serious? 
I put my shoes on the same way you do. I have bad thoughts. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are tempted today. But I like that little part, yet without sin. He didn't give in to it. It's not a bad thought coming into your mind that's going to cause you problems. That's not, that's not it. it. That's not sin to have a bad thought. It's not sin for a bad thought to come in. You know, I know, folks, I've had thoughts. I'm thinking, what in the world is that? In the name of Jesus, get out. And it's like, whoa, that's not of God. Am I in the right church? Yeah, we have a bad thought. It's like, you know, you know, here's the thing. You control your thoughts. You choose what you want to think about. You know, if I want to think, you know, but thinking about somebody, I want to think what's good. I want to think what's honest. I want to think about what's a good report. You know, and when we do that, the blessings of God not only will come in your life, but they'll come through your life to other people. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Number three, the third weapon of self-destruction is compulsions. What's that look like? Compulsions are those inner drives and inner uh, desires uh, you, you, you can call them lust. You can call them habits. You can call them impulses. They're the things in your life that you, you feel like doing. You know, if, you know I, I just had to do it. You know? So it's kind of like a feeling. You know, you know, uh, you know. So even though you know it may be wrong, you, you did it anyway. That, that's compulsion. And, and you know what? This is one of the things that we've got to take control of in our lives. This is not of God. We, we don't have to do that. You've got to learn how to deal with those things and how to fight that weapon of self-destruction. Why? Why? Because if you do things by your compulsion, they will mess up your life. And that's what the devil wants. He wants to get a stronghold in your life. He wants to get a place inside you. Now, notice what the Word says in 1 Timothy 1.18. I think it's up there on the Scripture. Look at it. 1 Timothy chapter one. 18, okay, it says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou by them mightest war. Notice this, war, a good warfare. Now, he's, he's talking about the warfare really starts with himself. You know, you're the biggest enemy that you're going to ever face. Holding faith and a good conscience. Think about that. Look at it. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, notice this, have what? Put away. Now, again, we're supposed to put things on. Come on, somebody. We put on the armor of God. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's certain things, good things in the Bible we put on. But, but here, these people, they're, they're, they took it off. They had it, but they took it off. Concerning faith had made shipwreck out of their lives. Talks about those people. I don't want to go into that this morning. But there was some that was walking with Jesus, and after a while, they just said, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. They took it off and began going back out into the things of the world. Can you say Amen. And it happens, okay? But it don't have to happen, and it don't have to happen to you, okay? So you need to understand that. Can you say amen? amen? So, some things we put on, some things we put off, and some things we put away. Number four, the fourth weapon of self-destruction is fear. I like this one. It's not that I like fear, but I like to talk about it because I like to expose it. I like to turn the light on in fear. Fear is an enormous destroyer of happiness. It's a destroyer of potential of God's purpose for your life. It limits you. In other words, it, it, it paralyzes you. Fear has a paralyzing effect. I, you know, we, we remember the speech of um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, as he said, when we were attacked at Pearl Harbor, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. And he was calling something out. He was a smart man. He was calling something out for a nation, and he did a good job at it too because there was a lot of fear. You know, and how many of you know that it, you know, the devil wants to appear a lot bigger than he really is? Could you say amen? 
and then to sell, fear wants to come in and it wants to paralyze you. It has an enormous uh, effect. But what does God's word say? We need to hear, hear what the word says. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but love, power, help me out, and a sound mind. Why did he say that? Because that's what you have to have is a sound mind. Because fear is going to come knocking at your, you, you, you know, at your mind. And fear is going to want into your life. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. If there's one thing that the pastors, that comes against pastors probably more than anything else, is the area of fear. Fear, and you could go down the list and I could list 25 things or 100 things today. Of how fear will try to come into one's life. And here's the thing, we have to keep the door locked and not let fear in. I like what one minister said. His mother was saying all these things about, you know, how that, you know, you know the devil's been on their back all day and all these things that are happening, you know. And, and he just finally, he said, Mom, he said, you keep a clean house. He said, I have a question for you. He said, if you let the door open and some old muddy hog come walking in your house slinging mud everywhere, what would you do? She said, I'd get a broom and I'd run him out. She said, well, that's what you need to do with the devil right now and fear in your life. You need to get it out because it has no place in your life. You're letting it have a place in your life. If you let it have, you know, if you let it have... Any kind of room at all, it's going to begin to grow. And how many of you know uh, from a molehill that get into a mountain? And, it, and, and that's what it is. And here's what the Bible says, 1 John 4, 18. I have this one in your notes. For there is no fear in love. Period. We can stop right there. Done. Everybody say done. So you got love, no fear. You got love, no fear. Let's continue on though, Okay. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, help me out, cast out. What's it saying? If you're full of love, fear can't come in because you've got love in, your, in there. So think about that. Think about that. Because fear involves what? Torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So we don't have to let it in to our lives, if you believe that, say amen. Number five, the fifth weapon of self-destruction is hopelessness. Hopelessness keeps you keeping on. When you start to feel hopeless about anything, you get discouraged and you want to give up. What does that look like, Pastor? It's if you feel hopeless about your marriage, if you feel hopeless about getting married, if you feel hopeless about your finances or you feel hopeless about your health, hopelessness is self-destruction. You know, you need to have hope in your life that something's going to be better than what it is right now. Somebody say amen. And and, and that's a healthy thing. That's something that we need to grab hold of. It's hope, okay? So, you know, hopelessness is a self-destructive weapon that that will use on you. And when you turn it inward, it robs you of the plan that God has for you in your life. Now, what does God's word say? What does God's word say about that? Let's look at it. Hope deferred, help me out, makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. When desire comes, it's a tree of life. We could, we could preach a sermon on that. I can go there right now. But also in Hebrews six nineteen, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. How many of you know we need hope in our lives? Can you say amen? 
Folks, you go to any, any counselor anywhere, and they'll tell you these are the seven things that you need to have. You need to, they, they'll, they'll, they, that's what they're going down the list. Number six, bitterness. Write it down. It's a huge weapon of self-destruction because life is unfair. And don't, we, and don't all of us get some things and life is broken and we get stuck in things and things happen in life, I mean, to all of us. And bitterness happens, and some people get more than someone else, and someone gets jealous, gets envious, and some people get hurt. And you could either get better or you get bitter, and this is what happens. Or someone does something that they shouldn't have done. Now, here's the, here's the thing. You, you can let that affect you, and you can let bitterness come into your life, and if bitterness comes into your life, the, the, the thing that bitterness is going to hurt, it's not going to hurt the other person. Bitterness is going to hurt you. It hurts you. Well, I'll just kill myself. Well, how's that going to help the other person? You're not going to do nothing to the other person. It's you. It's getting hurt. And you need to understand that. You will always hurt the most. It's a self-destructive emotion. You never hurt other people with your bitterness like you hurt yourself. You hurt yourself with bitterness. And you've got to put it into check. You've got to give it before the Lord. You've got to say, Lord, I need your help in this area. You know, uh, Someone may have said something. They may have hurt you. Uh, there's no value to bitterness in your life. There's no value to holding on to a grudge. All it does is to make one miserable. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Oh, I'm just so upset. Well, you can get upset, but it's, you know, it, it's not going to hurt the other person because of you getting upset. Now, here's what the Bible says about that, Ephesians 4:31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and all evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Somebody say amen. amen. It's right there. There's a scripture. I'll give you another one. Okay, write this one down if you'd like. And it's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. It says, pursue peace with all people. Let me say it again. Pursue peace with all people. I want to say it again. Pursue peace with all people. Now, oh, you got to hear this. And holiness. Ooh. I don't like that word holiness, Pastor. I don't like that word. We should tear that one out of the Bible. Come on, somebody. I don't like that word. I don't like that. What does that mean? I don't like that word holiness. Well, notice what it says in the next scripture there. If you got your Bibles, you should turn there and look at it with me. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Ooh, that hurt. Wait a minute. Let's put it back in, Pastor. Let's put holiness back in, Pastor. Because holiness is there to stay. And we need to have it. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Could we fall short of the grace of God? Obviously, we can. That's what the Bible here is saying. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Here's that word bitterness. It springs up, causes trouble. And that by many become defiled. See, this is what the... This is what the enemy wants in your life, and it's a self-destructive thing. It's not the devil doing it. It's not the world doing it. It's you doing it. We have faced the enemy, and it's us. We've got to work on us. That's what we have to do. What does the Bible say? It says, pursue peace with all men and holiness without no man will see the Lord. And that root of bitterness should not be in your heart. And you know what we need to do? If we've got bitterness in our heart towards anyone, we need to lay it on the altar this morning. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Number seven. The seventh weapon of self-destruction is insecurity. You've got to deal with this one. Because if you don't learn how to deal with insecurity in your life, it's going to cause you to do foolish things. 
When you're insecure, you're trying to show everybody else that you're very confident and you say stupid things. You do stupid things. You pose or you fake. And the only people impressed by posers are other posers. Everybody sees through it. The only people that are impressed by fakers are other fakers. And when you're insecure, you can't hide it. And folks, what you have to do is you've got to deal with it. The classic passage of one dealing with these seven weapons of self-destruction is Romans chapter 7. We started out with that. Paul said, I, I don't understand myself. Paul said, I, I'm doing things I don't want to do and, 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 and things I should be doing I'm not doing. You know, who's going to help me? And let me just fast forward in, in this series that we're going into. And I just want to tell you, he said, I thank God that Jesus Christ can help me. Hallelujah. It's a person. It's not a thing. It's Jesus. It makes the difference in our lives. Can you say amen? amen. So we need to understand that. In and, and Romans chapter 8, he gives us the answer, okay? And, and chapter 7, he explains these seven things to do in your life. Chapter 8 gives us the power. And we're going to be talking about that. He outlines the battle going on uh, inside himself. And he says, what a miserable person that I am. What a miserable person that I am. Folks, I'm telling you, without Jesus or without a relationship with Jesus, without working on your relationship with Jesus, without prayer, without seeking God, we can all fall into these traps. And the only way that we could come out and be successful is if we have the right relationship with Jesus. I'm preaching good. You're quiet. And all those things I don't want to do, Paul says, I end up doing. And I'm really messing up my life. What a miserable person I am, Paul says. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I've watched Oprah. <laughs> Paul said, I went to Tony Robbins. Come on, somebody. I read Dr. Phil's book. I've done all these things and none of this stuff really matters. Who will set me free from this life dominated by sin? Notice what he says. What will set me free? Because the answer to the problem is inside you. The mess-ups in your life that you've had to change, the answer is not an appeal. Could you say amen? Can't get it in appeal. Well, you can. Let me change that. You can. It's the gospel. It's not a program. It's not a book. It's not a tape. It's not a seminar. It's not hypnosis for sure. Come on, somebody. It's not laying on a table and someone smoking a pipe telling you something. Come on, somebody. No, no, that's not it. The answer is a person. The answer is Jesus Christ. He's the one. Could you say amen? Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. It's Jesus Christ, his spirit inside of you. And Romans 8 is the answer to Romans 7. Thank God there's a Romans 8. It took care of Romans 7. He dealt with that. Paul dealt with that. The Spirit of God inside of you gives you the antidote of the seven negative emotions that you have. But we have to dress for success. And the way we dress for success is we have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to put on the armor of God. Come on, somebody. We have to put on the things that God wants us to put on to be the person that God wants us to be. It's up to you to put off concerning the former lust. It's up to you to put on the new man which is created in God in true righteousness and holiness. It is what Paul said, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over the church. 
And Paul said, not only that, but Paul said that we are made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and all the other things under our feet. What we need to do this morning is put all those seven negative emotions under our feet this morning. Can I get a witness? Oh, give the Lord another hand clap. Hallelujah. Are you ready to dress for success this morning? You know, let's, let's, we, we, we've told you what the enemy is. And then the next two to three weeks, we're going to kind of lay out some things for you to help you to put it in an application where you can get, get control over those things, control over your thoughts, control over those things that are harming you, that's bringing harm to you, and to give you the victory in Jesus. Could you say amen? God wants you to be victorious. God loves you. God has a plan for you. God has joy for you. Come on, somebody. God wants you to be successful. He wants you to dress for success, and you're going to have to do it. Now, I want you to just think about, you know, on the battlefield. And Paul, he saw the Roman soldier. And, 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 and at the time, for over 600 years, the Roman Empire was one of the greatest empires of all times. And it was because of the, the, the army that they had. Let me tell you something. You know, and, and, and you know, America's great today. America's got a great army. Come on, somebody. And we're strong. And that's the reason we're strong is because we have a strong army. And Paul was looking at that soldier. And he's given the analogy. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put your, uh, shod your shoes with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And take the shield of faith, which will quench all the fiery darts of the devil. In other words, be like that Roman soldier. But he's talking about dressing for success. He's talking about when you do these things. And that enemy, those self-destructive things try to come against you. If you've got your helmet of salvation on, come on, somebody. It can't get in your mind. Hallelujah. Those old thoughts, you're not going to let them in because you've got your helmet on. Glory to God. When he throws up darts at you, you throw it up. You, oh, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. Shake it off, yeah. Yeah, yeah shake it off, yeah. Isn't God good? Did you get anything out of this today? If you did, give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Let's pray. And you know, I just want to pray for you today. I, I want to pray for you today because, you know, it's God's will for you to be successful. It's God's will for you to be everything that God's called you to be. God don't want any second-rate Christians. God doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want, he wants us all to be victorious over sin. If you believe that, say amen. He wants us all to, 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 to be at that place where we dress for the battle. And folks, there is a battle. Let me tell you something. There, is a, there, there, there will be a test. There is a battle. There is something that we have to fight. Fight the good fight of faith. It's all through the word of God. We can't pull it out. It's there, and it's something that we have to do. We have to put on. We have to take off. Can you say amen to that too? And this morning, I've enlightened you with some scripture that I, I believe can be a revelation to you and a revolution to you and your spirit that you might be who God wants you to be.